Tommy Orange's new novel begins with a young man who lives through an annihilation, the Sand Creek Massacre of 1864, where U.S. Army troops savagely, to invoke a word they often use to describe the human beings they slaughtered, murdered about 230 Cheyenne and Arapaho people. Jude Starr is later sent to the Fort Marion Prison Castle in Florida, where his jailer is a devout Christian named Richard Henry Pratt, who believed Native Americans had to be forcibly shorn of their language, culture, and history. He's remembered for this especially noxious quote, kill the Indian in him and save the man. The journey of Jude Starr and his descendants is the story of Wandering Stars, the second novel from Tommy Orange, his first. There There was a Pulitzer finalist. Tommy Orange joins us now from Oakland. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. This novel is so beautifully written and so hard to read. Why did you uh, devote six years of your life to writing it? This piece of history was not something known to me This, as far as this historical part. I, I initially uh, set out to write a more straightforward sequel, and I stumbled across this piece of history while I was in Sweden for the Swedish translation of there. There, I was at a museum, and I saw a newspaper clipping that said Southern Cheyennes in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. And I, I didn't know why we would ever be in Florida and fell down this rabbit hole of information. And uh, I didn't know how it would connect to there, there necessarily. It was just a piece of history that I became fascinated with. And I was doing uh, some research in one of the books I was reading. There was a list of the prisoners. And one of the characters' names uh, was Star, at the actual prisoner. Uh, and another one was Bear Shield. And that's one of the families from there, there, one of the core families. And I, I realized I was going to try to write this family line. And we should explain you're you're a member of the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes and and are also biracial. Correct. I wonder if seeing the story, hearing of it, put an expectation and and the success of your first novel, to be sure, all, all put an expectation on you. Yeah, there was uh, the sophomore effort is sort of doomed and why I would take on a, a sequel when that's already tough to get past the the sophomore effort uh, sequels are also sort of doomed to not be as good as the first and but this is just what compelled me to write and if you're going to be sitting with your work for long periods of time you have to be pretty convinced about it and and I felt convinced I want to ask you to read a section if I can about an episode star goes through I'll just have you read it and introduce the, the story of a life mask. Before we were released from the prison castle, a man came to measure our heads, to make masks of us, molds of our heads with white liquid. He called them life masks. The man wanted to compare Indian heads with white heads. He thought if Indian heads were smaller, that could explain why we were savages. I froze as the thick... Liquid poured over and enveloped me. It was cold and then warm and tight against my face. It got quiet and then it cracked. There were tubes stuck into my nose so I could breathe. I wondered if it was death the man meant by life masks. I thought maybe I was being turned into a thing for them to keep. But a head was a living thing. A face moved and changed all the time. And then I couldn't move mine anymore at all, so I thought, this must be some kind of death. 
some kind of keeping. The novel moves ahead through generations uh, and then to Oakland in, in 2018, following a shooting at a powwow, which is in your previous novel, There, There. A young man named Orville, who's a member of the Bear Shield Red Feather family, has been shot. What, what brings these events together as you construct it? Well, Orville's story, in a way, echoes his ancestor, Jude Starr. It's a young man running away from a massacre and essentially trying to recover from what that means and sort of a harrowing thing that he has to go through. To be shot uh, while dancing in full regalia, it's a lot for him to handle. And addictions run through these generations too, don't they? They do. There's uh, alcohol, laudanum, and then in the midst of this opioid crisis, Orville gets addicted to painkillers. I want to ask you about your book's dedication. For everyone surviving and not surviving this thing called and not called addiction. First, may I ask, are you thinking of people you know? Yeah, yeah. My my life has been shaped and mangled by addiction. I've had my own struggles, and everybody in my family has. So it's just been a big part of my life, and and my heart goes out to people that that suffer from from this thing because it's it's tough, and you know this whole country is facing it right now. How did you begin writing? I mean, I've read you were working at a bookstore. Yeah, I was I was moving the entire fiction section from the back of the store more toward the front. It was a bookstore like they don't exist anymore, huge and dusty and didn't get very many customers. Because we didn't get very many customers, I could just read uh, for the first time. I'd, I'd never, you know, I, I skimmed through novels in high school to pass tests, but I never, I never really understood what fiction could do. And so, you know, soon after I became a reader, I I decided I wanted to try writing and spent many years just doing that privately while I worked, just all my free time, putting it toward reading and writing as much as I could because I felt like I needed to to catch up. I'm struck by a line that Orville's brother utters, speaking of Cheyenne and Arapahoe, everyone only thinks we're from the past, but then we're here, but they don't know we're still here. What's that feel like? You know, it's it's an exciting time right now for representation. Most people in this country don't understand what it's like to never be seen, to never be represented in popular culture. Uh, or if you are, it's a misrepresentation. Our educational institutions almost exclusively teach the Indian, the Native person as it relates to pilgrims one month out of the year or maybe just one week. So it's, I think it's a really exciting time, but it has has felt lonely and it's a big part of American history. And, and for that to be omitted all this time, it does something to you. I'm not sure if I could spell it out entirely. You know, that's part of what, why I write novels because I can, I can think and process quite a bit on the page. Tommy Orange, his novel Wandering Stars, Thanks so much for speaking with us. Thank you, Scott.